Welcome to the Raising Christian Kids podcast. Your host, Leanne Mancini, is extremely passionate about helping children to have a strong foundation in Jesus. You will be equipped with methods and techniques to help solidify a relationship between your child and Jesus. So let's dig deep and raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I am so happy to have Sharon Norris Elliott on the show today and her books, Raising Boys to Be Like Jesus. And Sharon says to live significantly. This is the inspiring message of Sharon Norris Elliott, author, speaker, astute Bible teacher, editor, consultant, agent, and founder of CEO of Life That Matters Ministries. She writes challenging yet encouraging books in several genres, including women's nonfiction, parenting, devotional, and children's literature. Under the Life That Matters Ministries umbrella are her two companies, Authorize Me Consulting, Coaching and Editing Firm, and Literary Agency, LLC, and Milk and Honey Life Retreats. Thank you, Sharon, for being on the show today. Thank you, Leanne. I'm just so excited to be with you. Well, we're going to start with our very first question. You state in this wonderful book. And by the way, I want to say that this book, even though it says Raising Boys, it is very applicable to to girls as well. A lot of the things that you say in there can be for, for girls as well. But I just, I love the book. But you're welcome. You stated in your book, single parent mothers of sons need Josephs. Can you explain this, please? Yes. We women, when mothers are single, they do a fantastic job. I am not downplaying that at all. However, God did make moms and dads, males and females to be able to pour into our children. And boys, as much as girls, need the male role model, the Christian male role model in their lives. Boys, of course, learn to be men from men. We can explain things as much as possible, we moms, (laughs) but it's looking at a man and seeing how God made men. And, you know, no matter what we try, ladies, we are not going to get into the heads of men in the same way that they are not going to get into our heads 100%. (laughs) We need to make sure that there are male role models, Christian male role models, in their lives. We need to choose well our dads for our children, as well as those other uh, men. We were blessed when my boys were growing up. We had some great men in the fathers of their friends who were also good role models, you know, for them. So I knew if they went over someone's house to spend the night, right, there was going to be a good Christian role model, you know, for them in front of them. So those are the Josephs that I'm talking about. And why, I'm wondering, why did you pick Joseph out of all the biblical characters? Well, because in the book, remember when you were reading through the book, I took snapshots of the life of Jesus and talked about those snapshots when Jesus like was the infant son lying in a manger, for example. That's where this discussion came in in that chapter. What could we learn from the life of Jesus at that point that we can then pour into our sons? And God did not use Joseph physically for Jesus to be born, 
but he did put Joseph in Jesus's life. He didn't leave Mary as a single mom. Joseph was in his life and Joseph had the responsibility of raising this son. And so that's the metaphor, right, that I use that Joseph raised this young boy, although of course he was going, he's the savior, but in the natural and practical things of life, there was an actual man in front of Jesus. And yes. so we can take that lesson. And, and I think that's important. And the reason I asked you that is because some people might listening might be thinking of the other Joseph, who's always so popular, uh, you know, but no, we're talking about Mary's husband, Jen Mary's Joseph. husband, Joseph, right. He raised Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. So the second question I have is, I love the step aside notes in your book. They're so right to the point and great and so feeding. And one of these states, at whatever age your son is, observe the kind of decisions he has to make. For one week, watch your reactions to his decision-making process. Can you expound on the benefits of this exercise? Yes, this exercise is in the chapter, The Adolescent in the Temple. So we know that when Jesus was 12, he was able to talk with the elders with such eloquence and deepness that they were just amazed, right? At his knowledge and his wisdom. Well, can we look at our 12-year-olds, <laughs> 12, 13, 14, and say, wow, that kid has a lot of wisdom. We kind of don't think of teenagers like that. But in their adolescent years, they should be starting to make wise choices and wise decisions because we have raised them right to do so and we have lived in front of them. So this exercise is to step back and actually take note of the decisions that your son is making without your interference. Because I go on in that exercise to ask, are these decisions that he's making, are you stopping him and then making the right decisions for him? Or are you really watching to see if he is starting to think those things through spiritually? Is he making the kinds of decisions that are, are wise? And I'm not, we're not talking necessarily about deep things because when we make decisions on small things, <laughs> That teaches us how to make decisions on, on big things, right? Did he make the decision to do his homework before he started playing a video game? Did he make the decision to talk on the phone rather than get enough sleep? That, that's what I mean. Decisions. Those are decisions Yes. that go on to affect what happens next, either the next day or at the end of the semester or whatever it is. So we want to keep track and make sure that we're watching the little things and bringing those up, not, not nagging, but bringing those up in a way to say, okay, was that the best decision? And I taught high school for 35 years. And so I love teenagers. And I know that the brain is not completely developed <laughs> in those years, but they are learning how to be adults. Yes. And our kids don't learn how to be adults until we let them start making some decisions that will matter. The grades, right? For example, we allowed our youngest, 
who loved basketball, he let his grades slip in the freshman year. And so we decided, not the school, not the coach, we said, you cannot play basketball because you don't know how to make a good decision on whether you should do your homework before you go out and make free throws. And so as much as he was valuable to the team, well, oops, you should have thought about that. Consequences. Right. Well, that's why, like you said here, you know, and watch your reactions as the parent. Are you ready to jump in and save them right away or correct the the situation? Are you ready to discipline right away without having a discussion? I think those are so important when children are making decisions and they make a mistake. We're supposed to actually kind of be like that basketball coach, you know, that your son has that guides him and tells him and coaches him the right things to do in a positive manner. And then again, if he does it again and makes a mistake, then he's going to know the consequences that he's going to be on the sidelines there and not be able to play into the game or whatever privileges we take away. So I think that's really a good, good point to make, to watch our reactions as parents when they make a mistake. So the third question I have is in your book, you state carefully watch that your son's mind matures with his body. And this could be for, again, for girls, don't let either run ahead of the other. Please explain why. And if you can direct this to somehow to younger children, maybe. Okay. This isn't a chapter about adolescence, but let's go back. Your child's mind is developing all the time. You already know that, you know, they're asking, why is this? You know, mommy, why is this? Daddy, why is that? And they're gathering information. All right. And so watch their development physically as well. You know, are they old enough to do the things, let's say, that you're giving them the responsibility for? Maybe, maybe not. You know, a little child's dexterity, right, is not ready for certain things. And then if they spill this or that, then you get mad, you know, or whatever. So making sure that as they're developing, you're watching their physical development and that it is meeting with the intellectual development. Another point of that, especially for little children, I remember when I was a little kid, people might not like this term any or this phrase anymore, but children were seen and not heard. (laughs) I'm not saying don't listen to your children, but the point was little children don't need to know everything. TV, books even that are being put out there, there's too much adult information that little children are exposed to. For example, if there are financial issues, right, at home and we're having some trouble, little children are not responsible for the financial situation at home, but their brain can figure out, okay, something's wrong. And little children take responsibility. Little kids are astute enough that they would be able to figure out, for example, that the amount of food they eat costs money if they hear a lot about money problems. And that's what I mean by the physical, you know, the age and what we are exposing our children to. We have to be so careful. It's not that we can't say, all right, you know, we're on a budget. Right. Right. And and this is why we can't have that expensive toy or something like that. And I understand exactly what you're saying, because sometimes children like you can have a five year old that looks like a nine year old. 
because he's tall. He's taller for his age because he has a dad who's a basketball player, whatever. So, you know, sometimes we tend to think, well, because they're bigger and they look older than what they are, that their mind has captured up to what their body indicates. And so we have to be careful to remember that that child might be only nine or seven, might be seven years old, even though he looks like he's, you know, 10 or 12. And so I think that's a really good point to bring out in your book. Well, I just want to thank you for all these wonderful things. Like I said, you put in your book, all these, there's so much to go over. I love the step asides. Uh, they're really great chapters. Um, you know, I earmarked everything here. So is there anything else you'd like to share before we close? Well, I just like to encourage moms, whether you're a single mom or you're a married mom, widowed. You know, sometimes we don't think about moms who are not divorced for being single, but are widowed and they're single moms. Just be encouraged. Jesus is the best possible role model ever. And that's the reason for the book, that when all else fails, <laughs> that we always have Jesus to look at throughout his whole life. There are lessons that we can learn. And if we put those things into our sons, whenever I get a chance to autograph my book, I always write, boys like Jesus become men of God. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I can attest to that because I was raised by a single mother and, you know, Jesus was the father figure. You are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And so I want to thank you again for being on the show and helping us to raise strong Christian kids. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.